Our reading today, it comes from the book of Isaiah, the latter part of Isaiah. Listen for the word of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, oil instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among all the nations their offspring among all the peoples, all who see them shall acknowledge that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Evangelist Louis Palau tells a story about a very wealthy European family, and they wanted to have their newborn child baptized, only They opted not to do that in a church or a cathedral. They wanted to do it at their home. It was a very nice and and large home, so they invited dozens and dozens of guests to this elaborate affair, and all who arrived did so, dressed to the nines. Uh, They deposited their coats and their wraps with the attendant there, and uh, went in on and were entertained and and had a meal together. But soon the, the time came for the main reason that they gathered. It was the child's baptism. The priest was ready. The water had been warmed, you know, because you don't want to put cold water on a child's head. Well, no one seemed to know one question. The answer to one question, where is the baby? The child's caregiver went upstairs and and searched and searched and came down very desperately with this look on her face. She had searched frantically And then someone had recalled that the child was lying asleep on the bed where all the coats and the garments had been piled up. And so one by one, they began removing all of those those fine coverings. And there, underneath it all, was that innocent child buried beneath all of the coats and the jackets and the furs was a child. That story, it always makes me wonder, underneath what do we bury the child, the reason for this whole Christmas season? Do we bury the child underneath 
last-minute shopping? Do we bury the child under the chocolate and the little praline things? Those are so delicious. Do we bury the child underneath all of the religious experiences that we have in traffic out east? Do we bury the child underneath the lights and the camera and the action and even sermons that use entirely too many words? Do we bury the child and miss the reason for this season? We need to ask in Advent, where is this baby? And not only that, what? Who is this baby? That's why I love the third Sunday in Advent. It's different. I mentioned that. We mark time differently. The candle color is, is different. It's Joy Sunday. We step back. We breathe a little bit and, and try to recalibrate and to refocus because the Feast of Incarnation is coming. Christmas is coming. We will get there. And we remind ourselves that the world would never be the same after that night in Bethlehem. So today, throughout this day, I want you to ask yourself, what is smothering your joy, keeping you from experiencing the beauty and the wonder of the Christ child? So I want to ask you a question, a big picture question. Why is it that you think God even came down to this earth in human form? You think God was bored and needed something to do? Or did God have to come down? We call this classically the doctrine of, of incarnation. I want to break that big word down, incarnation. Carne means what? Do you know? Flesh. Yeah. Carne, flesh, the incarnation, the fleshing of God in this world. But by incarnation, God coming down to earth, we, we do not espouse that God became a superhero in Jesus Christ, nor do we believe that Jesus ever ceased to be God. We believe that in Jesus, we have 100% God and 100% human. Now, that math doesn't work. It's part of the reason why we have two candles each Sunday. We rec recognize the divinity and the humanity of Jesus the Christ. We also recognize the partnership between God and, and people that was given to us in Jesus Christ. What we get in Jesus is a God who is accessible to us now. We see the glory of God and the humility of God on full display in the manger, that God would lay aside that throne to come be with us. But maybe the most important thing for today's lesson is that we see a brand new revelation of God, a brand new expression of God, an image of God. And that is that God didn't come to this earth to be served, but to do what? To serve. That's radically different because we want to appease all sorts of gods and pharaohs, and we find ourselves right back in our Egypt when we do that, building pyramids. God came to us in human form to give us something different, a mission. And that's what Isaiah's text is, is all about. Hundreds of years before Bethlehem, we see something about God's generosity given to the world. It's on full display. And it happens, oh, it happens through a lowly, poor, meek,
family and a very vulnerable child. God gives the world a mission in that family. A few weeks ago, during our stewardship initiative, I mentioned that I believe that generosity is a bridge that the Holy Spirit builds to connect people and things who otherwise might not be together. But the initial building blocks of of generosity, that cornerstone that we might say, began long before that, long before the, the act of the Holy Spirit. It began when God laid the foundations of the world and gave us creation. And then we see it most fully when Mary laid in the manger God's son. I was reminded of this once again uh, just two days ago at uh, Senator Larry Dixon's funeral. We had it right out here in the Garth, just a small few of us. We began in the Garth, and then we took a few steps walking down to the columbarium where he will, is laid to rest now. And we did something that I think is important. We accompanied him to his final resting place with singing. We sang that familiar him, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know that hymn? I love that hymn. The first verse says something that's important. God sent his son. They call him Jesus. And in that moment of, of walking Senator Dixon to his final resting place, I was reminded of God's generosity that I'd seen in Larry's life. I was reminded of John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave. And just keep coming back to this God who gives and gives and gives and shows us the generosity of heaven in this child called Jesus. I think at the heart of generosity, God's generosity, at the core of God's blessing, we call ourselves blessed and highly favored, is a gift that we oftentimes bury beneath the seasonal bromides and all of the Advent fluff, and we've got to pull all that back this third week of Advent so we can see what was at the heart of God sending God's Son into this earth, and that's three things. Release, reconciliation, and redemption. That's it. That's the mission. Advent tells us that God is is coming down to release and to reconcile and to redeem to build bridges and not walls among one another. You know, one way to think about uh, the manger is through this lavish giving of God's self and how God in this manger is somehow creating this hub that will hold all of the spokes of humanity together and, and we just try to take those away and divide ourselves. But the mission of the baby In the manger, it was always bigger than Bethlehem. Always, because it was God's mission. When Christ is born in in your life, in the manger of your heart, the mission is always bigger than you. In the manger, we get a job description and a mission statement. Isaiah told us about it. He gave it to us. And that is that God has this plan to release and to reconcile and to redeem people by changing lives one person at a time. And so Advent is not a a time of passive waiting and 
sitting back on our heels, but partnering with God and helping redeem our, our story, our family, our family's story, our community, our community's story. That's tough. It requires that we change the way that we see God and one another and the way we see ourselves. You know, Flannery O'Connor, I love her work, she once said that all human nature vigorously resists grace because grace changes us and change is painful. I wonder if that's why when Jesus read from the Isaiah scroll among his friends and among his family in his church and said, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing, that they tried to run him out of town and throw him over a cliff. Because grace changes us and change is painful. If in fact these words of Isaiah on this joy Sunday in Advent are a job description and a mission for God's people, then we have to ask ourselves, okay, Lord, what will that require of me? And I've wrestled with that question this week as I've been thinking about release and reconciliation and redemption in my relationships and in my role to help our community. And I've thought a lot about Mary. We celebrate Mary on this Sunday as well when Gabriel visited her and said, hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. She became what's called the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the God-bearer. This mission is going to happen through you, Mary. You know what she said? Let it be. Let it happen. Are we so bold to say that? When we say we follow Jesus, we follow his mission, are we so bold to say that that means bringing good news to the oppressed, binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners? Brian Stevenson, you know, he founded EJI. He once said that the opposite of poverty isn't wealth, it's justice. Somewhere we have Isaiah's words, Yahweh's words, really. I love justice. He says that how we treat the poor and the disfavored and the condemned is the measure of our faith and will determine our legacy. That's a big word. I think one way we should think about Advent, one way we should think about Christmas in the manger is that in Christ we get God's mission from heaven in this earth. But I think that God still sends the body of Christ to bring the mission of heaven into this earth because, you see, through our baptism, we have been anointed to proclaim the good news and to release, to reconcile, and to redeem. And maybe anything else that we overlay on Advent and Christmas is another coat under which we bury the real reason. So I ask again, why did God come down to earth in a lonely stable in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago? According to Isaiah, according to Jesus' mama, and according to Jesus, the purpose is clear. It's to redeem people 
to give birth to this missional movement. And what I want us to think about over the next few weeks is this. Is there enough room in the the end of our hearts for Christ to do something new? Is there enough room in the church for Christ to be born again and to set free all that binds? Is there enough room in the end of our city for Christ to be born to raise up the valleys and to bring down the mountains and to straighten out the crooked places and to make the rough places plain? Is there enough room today for Christ to be born and to send us into the dark corners of life to say, your darkness will not last. Christ is coming. Somehow in this lingering period of being away from one another during this pandemic, that is at least physically, we, there's an irony that we have found so much clarity about what it means to be the church We've discovered that this invisible virus is no match for a visible mission to care for others in need, to release, to reconcile, and to redeem. A.J. Gordon was a Baptist preacher in Boston. And one day out in front of the sanctuary during the week, he found a little boy who was holding a very rusty cage, and inside that cage he had several birds. Pastor Gordon said, where did you get those birds, son? He said, well, I trapped them out in, in my dad's field. Well, what are you going to do with them? Well, I'm going to play with them a little bit and then probably feed them to the cat that we have at home. Well, Gordon said, no, let me, let me buy those from you. I'll give you $2 for the cage and for the birds. And the boy said, okay, but you're making a bad deal, preacher. So they, they exchanged. The boy went away whistling. He had a couple of bucks in his pocket. And the preacher had a cage that he took around back to the church. And he opened the door and he, he let the birds go and they started soaring into the blue sky. The next Sunday, he, he took that rusty old cage and into the pulpit with him and he set it right there beside him to illustrate the importance of Christ's coming to seek and to save those who are bound up and imprisoned and caged and who need release. How Jesus gave his own life for that. And so he said, that boy told me that these birds were not songbirds, but when I released them, they winged their way up to heaven and it seemed as if they were saying, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. That is Advent. Ours is the message of those songbirds. It's the song of every carol we sing this season, redeemed. It's the meaning behind every single gift under the tree, redeemed. It's the word that the shepherds heard, redeemed. It is Mary's cry, redeemed. It's the star that the wise men followed, redeemed. We're going to hear it in a few days. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. We have been redeemed. Isaiah said what Jesus fulfilled and commanded his followers to do. The spirit of the Lord has anointed you to get to work with God 
to bring good news to the oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim jubilee, to comfort all who mourn. I pray it would be so, my friends. I pray that we will shout, O come, O come, Emmanuel, change our hearts, set us free, help us remove all that smothers your joy so that we might help others find release and reconciliation and redemption in Christ. Amen.